This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Well, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. So excited that you are here with us today. Thank you for being a part. Wanted to take just a moment and encourage everybody, whether uh, this is maybe your first time here, and if it is, thank you for being here, or if you've been here many times before, to take just a moment and to reach into the seat back in front of you. There you're going to find one of these Connect cards. Uh, It's our desire to have one of these uh, from every family here today. So if you take a moment, uh, you can fill that out this morning. There's a spot for your name, address. If you're new uh, and you fill out uh, that address part, we would love just to send you a thank you in the mail this week. It would be our uh, pleasure to do that. And uh, also on the back, there are prayer requests, things that are going on in your life, decisions you made, things you might want us to know about. You can mark those on there. And at the end of our time together, as the ushers come by, um, they, you can drop that in the offering bag or in one of the boxes as you walk out today. With that, let me just start us with a word of prayer. God, we are so thankful for your presence here as we sang, we could uh, just feel you in this place as we sang of your grace and your love that just overwhelms us today. God, that's my prayer that we would just uh, continue in that spirit. Um, We believe that every person is here today with something to learn, something to learn from you, God. Help us to have open hearts and open minds to know what that is. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, welcome to our teaching series called The Vow. All this month, we've been talking about marriage. And as uh, we've discussed many times, as we saw in kind of our opening video, we know marriage can be hard. It can be tough. And so one of the things we wanted to do this month, though, was we wanted to zoom in on some promises, some promises that we make to one another in marriage. And by focusing in on those promises, we think we can avoid some of the heartache, some of the trouble down the line. And so that's what we have been doing all this month. We got started in week number one, talking about the vow of priority. And, and the vow of priority, uh, having our priorities right in marriage, we said was this, we want to make God our number one and our spouse our number two. And we, we said it that way because when it comes to the big questions of life, why am I here? Uh, where do I find forgiveness? How do I find my place in this world? God is the one who brings those answers to us. And we say uh, our spouse is our number two because when we say that, what we're saying is there's no other human relationship, no other thing, no other job, nothing in this world, nothing other than God that I am going to place as a higher priority than you, my spouse. Week number two. We talked about the vow of pursuit, and the vow of pursuit was this, I will always uh, italicize, bold that word, always pursue 
my spouse. And we uh, bold and italicize that word always because uh, one of the things that we find in marriage is we're really good at the pursuit part in the beginning, but then priority is going to get changed around. Uh, We get pulled in different directions, and all of a sudden, we're not doing very well at the pursuit part. And this funny thing happens in marriage. We expect our love, our romantic feelings for one another to just grow on their own, whether we put effort into it or not. And it's just simply not how it works. And so uh, in, in week two, in this vow of pursuit, we talked about Revelations chapter two, verse five. Verse five, remember the height from which you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first, Jesus in this uh, verse, he's talking to the church at Ephesus about their relationship with him. And how at one point in, in the beginning, it was full of pursuit. It was full of excitement. And then it trailed off. Then it cooled off. And, and he says, he, he tells them, I want you to rekindle this. And here in this verse, he gives them kind of this three step plan that we're taking and applying to our marriages. First, remember. Remember what it was like at the very beginning. Remember when you couldn't get away from each other, when you had to be with each other all the time, when you thought about the other person constantly, did things for them. Repent. Repent of your sins, of your mistakes. Repent of them to God, to your spouse. Name them. And repeat, repeat the things you did at first when you couldn't stay away from each other, how you thought about them, and and maybe you brought flowers, maybe you uh, just spent more time together, you put the effort in, find those things that you did at first and do them again, especially when you don't feel like it. Those feelings will come as you put the work in. Week number three, just last week, we talked about the vow of teamwork. The vow of teamwork. And the promise that we focused on here was that our marriage, our marriage will be about we, not just me. We, not just me. And really what that comes down to is the approach we take to marriage, how we think about the day, how we think about an argument, how we think kind of about our future together. And two primary questions we talked about last week. Number one was, how do I get my own way? When we're in an argument, are we thinking, how do I get my own way? How do I, uh, how do I win this? How do I get my own way with our finances, with this time together? Or the second question, how do I bless my spouse? How do I bless my spouse in this moment? How do I best bless my spouse uh, in this time together? What do they need now? A healthy, growing, intimate marriage is focused on that second question, how do I bless my spouse? 
All right, so that was kind of a a recap of the last several weeks. This week, we're moving on to a new promise, a new vow, the vow of purity. And this is the most basic, right? This is the most basic promise that we make to one another in marriage. But we can't let that uh, think, let us fool ourselves into thinking that we have this all under control, that we've got it handled, we don't need to work on it. Because here's something we need to wrap our minds around. Nobody walks down an aisle. Nobody walks down an aisle with the love of their life and thinks, I want to break these vows I'm about to make. I want to break them. They're not really that uh, big of a deal to me. But it happens again and again. It happens way more often than it should. And if you've experienced this pain, I just want to say to you this morning, right from the start, I'm sorry that this most basic promise got broken. This most basic promise of marriage got broken for you. Today, uh, as we get started, I want to turn to Genesis chapter 2, like we have so many times uh, in this series, verses 24 I'm going to read 25 today as well. Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Think about that for a moment. They felt no shame. They didn't feel self-conscious, unworthy, unlovable, dirty, embarrassed. Those were feelings they had never felt before. They didn't didn't feel like they needed to hide. Two people, completely exposed, completely vulnerable with one another, no agendas. That was God's design for marriage. That's what he wants it to be. If you don't know the rest of the story, here's a super quick version. Adam and Eve, uh, they uh, were naked. They felt no shame. A serpent came along, tempted them to break the one rule God had created for mankind. And they broke it. And sin entered the world, and they felt what? They felt shame. They felt shame. They felt um, Self-conscious, unworthy, unlovable, dirty, embarrassed. They felt like they needed to hide, and they did. They hid from God. They hid from each other. Feelings before they had never felt. Here's why we're talking about that today. When we think about purity in marriage... We obviously think about not having an affair. It's a line that is clear and we should keep. But keeping that adultery line, maintaining that, that doesn't protect us from losing intimacy and trust. That's really what Jesus, that's really what God is describing here in Genesis chapter 2. He's saying uh, they had full intimacy, full trust with one another. 
so much more than just not having an affair. That's what Jesus uh, later on would say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, is Jesus telling us here that we should all be kind of one-eyed cyclopses or one-armed cyclopses? No. But he is saying, hey, pay attention. Pay attention. This is serious. Focus here. If there's something that gets in the way of your righteousness, get rid of it. Move it far from you. Stay away from it. Don't flirt with it. Don't get close to it. It's poisonous. It's impurity. It's not cute. It's not okay. It's wrong. Because here's what I honestly think happens. So often, we cross one line, and then another, and then another, and they're not the big line So we think we're okay. And pretty soon we've crossed so many lines that adultery is just one more in a long list of things we knew we shouldn't do. That's why Jesus says, rid yourself of temptations. Run from them. Cut those parts of your life out. Remove them. When Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they felt shame. They felt shame and it destroyed their intimacy. It destroyed their vulnerability with one another. That obviously happens when adultery enters the picture. But it happens way before that too. Lots of other areas and different lines that get crossed earlier on. That website that we know we shouldn't go to. That coworker we've become uh, too close with. That person we have emotionally connected to in a way that should be reserved for our spouse. Those and a million other examples. Or ways that we lose trust, we lose uh, intimacy, we, we lose respect. This morning, you might be saying, well, they don't even know about that, that guy, that girl. They, they've never, they don't know about that webpage. How can that affect my marriage? This is how I know it can affect your marriage. You know. You know about it and you feel Shame. You feel the same thing that Adam and Eve felt, and you do just what they did. Hide. 
hide it from God, hide it from your spouse. Hear this. Shame is Satan's tool of connecting and act something we've done with who we are with who we are. And all of a sudden, we, we begin to think, well, if I tell them, if I reveal this, uh, they, they won't love me anymore. If I admit what I'm struggling with, they'll reject me. Shame and secrecy. Shame and secrecy tear down trust and intimacy in marriage every Every time. That's why the promise I want to challenge us with today is this. I promise to confide in you, not hide from you. I promise to confide in you, not hide from you. Brilliant sociologist and researcher uh, on trust in shame named Brene Brown. She says this, shame grows in the dark. She adds, shame is like a Petri dish. We have just a a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt, and we push it way down within us in the darkest parts of our life uh, so that it never gets talked about, it never gets revealed, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And the only thing that kills it is the light. One of the key concepts of faith, of of knowing and understanding Jesus, is knowing and understanding that we're not defined by the best thing we've done or the worst thing we've done. We're defined in our faith by what Jesus has done for us. So let's talk about how we can have purity in our marriages, purity in our lives. Five steps this morning, if you're taking notes, five steps towards purity. We're going to be talking about this in the context of marriage. If you're not married today, these are easily applied to other areas of your life. Number one, the place we're going to start, take responsibility for your behavior. Your behavior. So often, especially when when trust has eroded in a relationship, we get really focused in on what the other person is doing. They did something that made us do something. If they just do X, well, well, then everything would be okay. We can't change the other person. But with God's help, we can change ourselves. In Luke 6, Jesus tells us to look at our own behaviors, our own attitudes, before we try and fix somebody else's. And he does it in such a memorable way, he says. Why do you try and take the the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you have a plank in your own? We have to take responsibility for our own behavior. To start there. Number two is do not return sin for sin. 
Revenge, retaliation is so common. It's so common in relationships. Really, all it does is extend the heartache. Keeps it going longer and longer. Right from the beginning, we have to promise ourselves. We have to make this commitment. I'm not going to sin in response to something my spouse does or says. Got to know that in us. Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Number three, forgive. I'm going to let Jesus' words speak here for himself. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiving other people is serious business. It's serious business for Jesus. Unforgiveness is poison for our hearts. He wants us to understand that. After we forgive, we have to remember that we need to speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. When we bottle things up, when we bottle up hurts and frustrations, they eventually boil over. If we're hurt by our spouse, we need to name it. We need to be willing to have the difficult, hard conversations. They need to understand how their words, their actions affect us. But we do this from a place not of punishment, but a place of we want to make this better. We want to improve our relationship. We want to make our marriage work even more than it does now. So we've got to speak the truth in love. We can't hold that in. We've got to tell them. We've got to do it from the right place. And lastly, we need to see the best in our spouse. See the best in our spouse. Author Shante uh, Fieldman interviews more than 12,000 men and women over 10 years trying to figure out what makes uh, the good marriages good and the bad marriages bad, what makes them work and not work. She says this, one of the most important things that highly happy spouses did differently, hear this, was they refused to believe the worst of their spouse's intentions. They refused to believe the worst of their spouse's attention. She elaborates. If someone thinks, you know, he, he knew how that would make me feel, and he said it anyway, he did it anyway, and that automatically gets translated to he doesn't care, and it all goes downhill from there. But... But in truth, she says, 99% of people deeply care about their spouse. And a huge reason why some couples are struggling is that one or both partners don't really believe it. 
or at least don't live from that place anymore. If they change the assumption, though, if the assumption became, I know he loves me, he must not have known how when he did that or said that, how it would make me feel. It begins to change so many things. This is especially true when we are hurting. When we're hurting in a relationship, in a marriage, we have to see the best in our spouse. We have to focus on what they're doing right, not what they're doing wrong. Because our emotions are often like a pair of glasses. When we're mad and frustrated, we, we see only the bad and we see it glaring at us. They can do 10 things, nine right and one wrong, and we see the one. We have to be willing to see our spouse through the best possible lens every day. And finally, depending on how deep that break in trust was in a relationship, you have to keep doing these things again and again and again. And the process is probably going to be slower than you would like. But change, change is possible. Remember this, little things done repeatedly lead to big changes. Broken trust isn't going to get fixed all at once. It's not going to happen overnight. These are some small steps. Some small steps in the right direction. Some small steps in the right direction that can lead to big changes. To healing This morning, let me just pray with you about these things. God, we want to take just a moment. We want to acknowledge that you made marriage beautiful and wonderful. You had this dream of intimacy and things not being hidden from one another. And God, we have been broken people and we have messed that up and we need you to help us fix it we need you and your strength to help us fix what we have so mangled sometimes this morning I just think back about this series God And all the promises that get revealed in Scripture. Promises that we make to one another in a relationship, in a marriage. Promises that we can't just make one day at the very beginning and expect, you know, it'll just going to be easy sailing from there on out. Promises we need to focus on. God, there are promises here that you're calling us all to focus on. 
that promise about priorities. That in our life, the number one thing isn't going to be the kids. It's not going to be work. It's not going to be some other hobby or some other distraction we have. The number one thing in our life is going to be you, God. There's going to be nothing higher. And there's, the second is going to be our spouse. No other human relationship, no other thing, no other job is going to take that place in our life. That's where we start. God, I think about that vow of pursuit. To always pursue my spouse. It's so easy to fall into a routine. It's so easy to get distracted by schedules and and going here and going there. And all of a sudden we realize that we, we haven't really pursued one another the way that we did at the beginning. And maybe that's okay for a little bit. But then it starts to eat at us. We start to question our love. But God, the challenge isn't the love. It's that we haven't put any work into the relationship. We haven't put any effort into it, God. We just expected it to grow on its own. We know that you created love and marriage to be beautiful and wonderful, but it's also something that is worth it to work on. Help us to see Think about the vow of teamwork. The marriage is going to be about we, not me. It's easy to turn a, a relation or an argument a, a day into how am I going to win? But God, you call us to be other focused, especially in our marriages. And I think about today the vow of purity. God, this most basic of promises. How we need to just not think that we've got it figured out. That it's one of those promises we need to focus on and spend our energy and our time on. God, there's so many lines we need to draw before We cross a line that causes so much pain and heartache. God, I pray. I pray you make these promises go deep in our hearts, deep in our relationships, because if we focus on them, we can avoid so much heartache. Help us to do that today, God. In your name we pray, amen.